Welcome to this week's podcast from Terrelgan City Church. We hope this message transforms and equips you to reach out. For more information about what's happening at TCC, head to mytcc.com.au or check us out on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What an honour to speak to fathers. But you know, uh, just like Bessie said, it's not just fathers, it's parents, it's mothers, it's, it's people that have been uh, mentoring others uh, uh, over the years of their life. And we all, you know, have an opportunity to mentor and to speak into the lives of other people at different times. And, you know, I, I felt today that God uh, wanted me to speak a message to bring encouragement, not just to fathers, but to mothers, to, to those that have been fathers and mothers in the faith. And, uh, you know, that last song, the words of that song, Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Now, if you look at the world and you think of the word reckless, you could sort of think, well, you know, that's a bit sort of hairy-fairy, sort of, is God reckless? No, he's not. But it's talking about, I heard the guy that wrote this song explain what he meant when he put the word reckless in there. Reckless in a sense that God would do anything, leave no stone unturned to come for you. The word reckless, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down. God chased me down over 37 or 35 years ago. He chased me down. He chased me down. I had an opportunity to to, uh, either come to him or not to come to him. And I chose to ask him, God, I said, God, prove yourself, show yourself to me. Uh, 12 o'clock at night in my bedroom, that's what happened um, I was praying for my wife, didn't know how to pray, wasn't a Christian, but I put my hand on the back of her neck and I began to pray, God, if you're real, show me. And my wife said to me after a few, might have been a minute or so, she said, oh, you've been praying. I didn't even know how to pray, but I was just speaking to God, you know. Uh, and uh, she said, have you been praying? I said, why? She said, oh, such an intense heat coming out of your hand. And she'd gone to bed with a migraine headache and a pain in the back of her neck and and uh, she said, and there's such an intense heat coming from your hand, and now the pain that I've had's gone. You know, I asked God at the moment, at the crossroad of my life, in a sense of saying, God, are you real? And he come through. He chased me down. He showed me through the power of, of healing that he was real. And, you know, I believe we need to be encouraged. Fathers, mothers, fathers and mothers in the faith. What a role we have to play. What an awesome role. We're called for a purpose. We are, have been chosen and it doesn't matter if you think you failed or you think you, you, know, you don't measure up. God has called you and he sees what you can be. Just like he did to me 30 something years, 30 plus something years ago. I believe within every person, fathers, mothers, There's the seeds of greatness. How do I know that? Because God planted it there while you were being formed in your mother's womb. The Bible speaks so clearly in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, we know that scripture is talking to Jeremiah, but we can take that for ourselves. God formed us and he knows us even before we're in our mother's womb. We know God was speaking to Jeremiah, but we can take that for us. And it's the enemy's plan. It's the enemy's plan 
to mess up our thinking for us to think that we've just happened along or we've failed in this area. I know as a dad, I've got five children. They're all grown up now. Uh, one boy and th- four daughters and all wonderful, wonderful children. But I know along the time and the years of parenting, there were times where I thought, man, I'm just failed here so severely. <laughs> I thought, man, I've messed up big time. What's going to happen now? Well, you know, it doesn't matter. That's the enemy talking into our mind, saying that you've messed up and you can't do it. But God comes and he lifts us up and he empowers us and he, he gives us by his Holy Spirit what it takes to be a parent. And man, in today's society, in today's culture, man, it takes a lot to be a parent and to stand up as a father and a mother in this society and just say, hey, I'm not going to go the way of the world. I'm not going to go this way, but I'm going to stand for what God says. And as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. God speaks that into us and we need his Holy Spirit to help us. You know, one of the reasons my wife got saved, she come to God, you know, was the reason that she actually began to seek God was when she was having her, our first child, Natalie, our oldest daughter, and she held her in her arms. She thought, man, man, what a responsibility to raise this child. I can't do this by myself. And so she reached out to God and God has helped her. She's a wonderful mum. She's in the children's ministry today. It's the, God, it's the enemy's plan to mess up our thinking. But I want to say today that not only did God know you before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you would be in this very place today, at this very moment in time, this very minute, this very minute here to hear this message. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God said to Jeremiah, and I believe this is for us today. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The culture we live in today, people, the culture we live in today is not set up to champion fathers. It's not set up to champion mothers. It's not set up to champion parents. It's not set up to give you hope. It's not set up to allow families to prosper. In actual fact, if you look at what's happening in the world today, the things that are going on, it's one of individualism, do your own thing, one of division between families, units, where children who are probably not old enough to know what is good for them get to, by law, make decisions that will probably affect the rest of their lives. How's that? How messed up is that? That when authority is taken off parents and given to a child who's 10, 11, 12 or 13 to say, you know, you can do your own thing. You can divorce your parents. It's messed up. It's not set up for families, for parents, for fathers, for mothers. And I want to tell you as a father, as a parent, it's easy to be discouraged. It's easy to be disheartened. There are times where your heart breaks for your children. If you've got children here today, you know what I'm talking about. And I want to say to fathers and mothers here today, you are heroes. Could you stand? Fathers and mothers, could you stand here in this place? Hallelujah. You are heroes. I want to speak 
into your life. You are heroes, heroes to your children. Doesn't matter what's going on, you are heroes to your children. Don't listen to words of failure or, or words of, uh, you know, I just, I don't meet the standard. You are heroes, you are heroes, you are heroes. What do I mean? You've taken a stand for your children and not let them go, no matter what, no matter where your children are or what they're doing. It's like what it says in the Bible, when you fire the arrow, you know, it's like you fire the arrow at the target, the, um, what's a quiver full is a blessing of the Lord, children are uh, like a, a um, warrior in uh, the arm of a, a bow man, what do you call them? <laughs> and they fire the arrow to hit the target. And some of us as parents have fired the arrow of our children and they haven't hit the target. Well, it doesn't matter. You don't just let that arrow stay out there. You go and get that arrow and you come back and you fire it again. You are heroes. There are heroes in this place, fathers and mothers, uh, fathers and mothers in the faith. You are heroes. You can maybe see it. <laughs> Gary Kinman, I don't know whether you know him. I didn't know him before I read this book, but... Gary Kinman once said, if you first don't succeed, skydiving is not for you. <laughs> now we know the saying that if at first you don't succeed, you get up and go again. It's easy to look at things that don't go to plan and we look at failures, our mess ups and you come to that point where you start doubting who you are. But our Father in heaven tells us a different story. He sees a different story. He sees a different plan. Plans to prosper you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Have a listen to this story. Daryl Loomis was a truck driver. Any truck drivers in the house? Yay. <laughs> he was a truck driver. And uh, he used to drive goods from Cincinnati to Atlanta. And his favourite place to stop for a food was Joe's Diner. That was his favourite eating spot on his route. And he always stopped at, at, for meals there at Joe's. One summer, after, summer afternoon, Daryl parked his truck and he walked into the diner, sitting down in his favourite seat, the third counter stool. He ordered the usual hot meatloaf sandwich, mashed potatoes and iced tea. In the distance came a roar and a cloud of dust followed by the arrival into the parking lot of 12 members of a motorcycle gang riding Harley Davisons with extended forks, choppers. These were nice bikes, quite a sight to see as the gang parked them next to Daryl's Peterbilt truck and set down the kickstands. As the gang stomped into the diner, the leader immediately spotted Daryl. Well, who is this little sissy at the counter, he sneered. Daryl merely remained silent and continued eating his lunch. Forming a semicircle around Daryl, the gang members started snapping their fingers in rhythmic, rhythmic rhythms. Unperturbed, Daryl just sat there and ate his lunch. One of the gang members picked up Daryl's iced tea and poured it over his head. The others watched, still snapping their fingers in unison. With the napkin, Daryl just quietly dried his face but said nothing. Another gang member picked up Daryl's mashed potatoes and stuck a handful in his ear. Wiping his hand as he drew his hand away down Daryl's face. Daryl remained calm and didn't respond. He simply continued to eat his lunch. Although the gang continued to harass and taunt Daryl, he never responded to any of it. Even when Daryl finished his lunch, 
He only stood up, turned to Joe and silently paid his bill. He left the diner without saying a word. The leader of the gang laughed and said to Joe, what a wimp. That guy sure ain't much of a man. And Joe, looking out the window of the diner, said no. And he ain't much of a driver either. He just ran over 12 Harleys. I just ran over 12 Harleys. One of my favourite scriptures is in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And it says, Jesus says to his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I love it because it talks about it's him who makes us. I think that's why my wife, why Julie, when she had our first child and held Natalie in her arms, she turned to God because it's he who makes us and helps us. It's he that makes us. And when we follow him, he makes us who we're meant to be. Our greatest thing we can do as fathers and mothers is not to be what others think we should be. You know, when you heard that story, you probably thought, you know, Mr. Loomis should have got up and smashed these bikies in the face or whatever. But that's what the world would expect. Our greatest thing we can do as fathers and mothers is not to be what others think we should be, but to follow him and let him make us. Let him make us. My culture growing up in the 70s, um, the expectation was that You had to be a man. Couldn't cry. Man up if you shed a tear. You had to be a man. There was this expectation of how we should act. And it's the same in society today. You know, we put fathers in a box, we put mothers in a box, we put parenting in a box, and we wrap it up in the culture that we've been raised in. Even just the other day, I'd worked a night shift and then I'd worked the, immediately the day shift the next day and I was sitting in my chair at home and Julie's mum, Lorraine, was sitting on my right-hand side in her chair and Julie said to me as she was walking out the back door, I'm just going to put out the bin. Wow. You should have seen the look that I got from Lorraine. She looked at me like with dagger eyes. That's a man's job. I said, is it? She said, yes, that's a man's job. Julie shouldn't have to do that. I said, who says? She said, I do. I said, are you the boss? She said, no. I said, well, there you go. You know, I could have taken that as, well, you're not much of a man. But no, I just quietly went outside and backed my Hilux right over her walker. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I promise. <laughs> yeah, that's it. 
The disciples, they were unexpected choices for Jesus and unlikely heroes, but Jesus focused on their potential, not their past. He called them from where they were and he gave them hope, vision to do something significant for God. And you may think you're an unlikely choice, but let me say this this morning. God picks you, he has a plan for you, and he has a plan for you, and it's not death, it's life. It's life. A few years back, we went into the elderly's home. It's actually probably more than a few years back. We used to go in as a church and and play songs and sing to the elderly people and get an opportunity to speak to different ladies and and men in the elderly people's home. And I was sitting with this, this lady, this elderly lady this day, just by myself in her room, just chatting. And I said to her, do you mind if I ask your age? She said, no, darling, I'm 92. She'd mentioned that she'd been there for 11 years and uh, since having a stroke. And as we were talking, I, um, as we were talking and chatting, she said, oh, my name's Landy. And I said, oh, are you related to John Landy? Thinking, no, she's not going to say she is. She said, second cousin. I went, oh, right, okay. Second cousin to John Landy, one of the most famous sportsmen of all time in Australia. Greatest middle distance runner and yet the thing, he, he was the greatest middle distance runner. But if you know the story of John Landy, you know the thing that he's remembered for is not the winning of races, but the fact that in a, in a race, during a race in, uh, oh, I better read here, at, um, in Melbourne there at 100 metre sprints, I think they were. Anyway, at, in the middle of one of these, it wasn't a 100 metre, a 1,000 metre race. In the middle of this race, he stopped to pick up one of his co-opponents, because he fell over in front of him, clipped the heels of one of the guys in front of him, and this guy fell over. And so John Landy stopped. And it, it's gone down in the, in the hero's sporting memorabilia of fame, this moment in time that's still remembered today as one of the greatest points of, of Australian sporting history. And out of that became a piece of bronze sculpture entitled Simply Sportsmanship. You can see that at what used to be the Vodafone Arena, which is now called the John Kane Arena in the heart of Melbourne. And it depicts a deed that was already judged by the Sport Australia Hall of Fame in 99 as the most significant moment in Australia's sporting history during the 20th century. And yet Landy himself insisted that he couldn't understand why there was so much importance attached to it. One of the world's greatest middle distance runners, he was the second man behind England's Roger Bannister to break the four minute mile that once seemed impregnable. And his, he was contesting, I'll read you the story, he was contesting the Australian Mile Championship at Olympic Park in 1956, just before the Olympic Games came to town, when a young rival tripped over and fell in front of him. His young rival's name was Ron Clark, later also to become Australia's finest athlete athlete Landy was the world record holder and one of the biggest names in Australian sport and Clark crashed heavily when his heel was clipped by another runner forcing Landy who was running close behind him to leap over his body making contact with his spikes as he did so it was entirely accidental and in no way Landy's fault but nonetheless he stopped running apologized to Clark and checked that he wasn't badly hurt Then to the astonishment of the 20,000 spectators, Landy set off in pursuit with a lap and a half to go. And you know what happened? He won the race. 
He stopped. His world record, I think, was three minutes 58. Uh, a world re- record was three minutes 58 or something, I think, along that line. Yeah, three minutes 58. And it says that he lost about seven and a half seconds in that stop to help the fellow. So if he, if he hadn't stopped, he would have taken been the world record holder for that race. But he stopped, spent seven to eight seconds helping his fellow opponent, got up, and he won the race. Why do I mention that? Because that was a moment in time that inspired the world. It was a moment in time that spoiled. It wasn't planned. He didn't think it up. He didn't try to do it. But it was a moment in time that inspired the world. And as fathers and mothers of the faith of parents and children here in the house of God, there'll be times in your life when it looks like it's all over and it's down in the dumps and it's, it's, it's all good, all gone. But there will be other times where you will by no chance of whatsoever or anything of your own doing, you will be an inspiration to someone, to your child, to your family, and they will be a turning moment in their life. A turning moment in their life. And you won't even know it. You won't even know it. Have a listen to what God said about some of the people in the Bible in John 1, 40, 42. He told Simon that he'd, be, he'd become Peter, a name that means rock. And when we read about Simon, he was anything. He, wasn't any, he was anything but a rock, wasn't he? He was impulsive, he was unstable, but Jesus named him Peter, not for what he was, but for what by God's grace he would become and later become a pillar and a foundation leader in the early church. When God appeared to Gideon, who was hiding from the enemy, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He was hiding and God said, you're a mighty warrior. John Maxwell says in one of his books, ministry in ministry training, that man surveys the crowd and evaluates it by what they were the past and what they are the present. But God surveys the crowd and He evaluates it by what they are the present and what they can become in the future. We need God in our lives, people, men and women, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, children. We need God in our lives to be all that God has called called us to be. God has called you to follow Him. History is filled with examples, filled with examples (laughs) of people with tremendous, tremendous success. Einstein couldn't speak until he was four years of age or read until he was seven. One of Beethoven's early piano teachers said he was hopeless as a composer. Thomas Edison's teacher said he was so stupid he'd never learn anything. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor for not being creative enough and for not having enough ideas. Ray Kroc at the age of 50 began a hamburger shop in the midst of a recession against advice from experienced people. It's now known all over the world, you say it, McDonald's. The one thing that runs true with all these people is they stood up. They stood up, whether it be people from our history or people from the Bible that God spoke to, they heard the call, Gideon was hiding, God said, you mighty warrior. Simon Peter became the rock. John Landy stopped to help, but soon he and his fellow competitors, as soon as he knew his fellow competitor was okay, he got back up and won the race. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I looked at a, a little present that my granddaughter, um, Emmy, gave to her father, Jake, this morning. Butterfly. Not Emmy, it was Edie picked it out. And on this uh, butterfly, I think it was a magnet, said, you're an inspiration. You're an inspiration. And I want to say to you this morning, fathers and mothers, you may not know it, but you're an inspiration. You are a champion. You are a champion. Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me. And listen to this. They had to let go of what was in their hand and follow him. They had to come out of the crowd and onto Jesus' team. And he gave his disciples a challenge to become active, active in the ministry and a chance to be involved. And we must, as fathers and mothers, whether you've been knocked down or whether you feel you're inadequate, you know, now's the day, now's the time to stand up again and step across the line and be a father and mother of significance, a father and mother of inspiration, a father and mother to those around you. He calls you to follow him. Can we stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we've been talking about fathers and mothers, but there are people in the house here in this building today, Lord, that will be fathers and mothers. And even though they may not even have children of their own at this stage, Lord, they can be fathers and mother figures to those around them, Lord, whether they are a young adults, Lord, or middle-aged or elderly, Lord. It doesn't matter. The message, Lord, here today is that we can be an inspiration, Lord. We can be an inspiration and you've called us as fathers and mothers, Lord, whether we have children or not, to be inspiration, to take our arms and, and gather that around those, Lord, to allow the overwhelming, never-ending love of God, Lord, come and be a present in someone's life, Lord, in Jesus' name. And so I pray, Lord, for all of us here today. I pray for all of us, Lord, whether they, you feel like you've been a failure, I pray, Lord, right now that you would cast from the mind those words, I'm not good enough or I've messed up. Today is a new day. Lord, that we would get back up, stand back up, begin to intercede, Lord. If our children are, are, don't have a relationship with us at this moment, we begin to intercede and say, God, come and help, Lord, be reconciliation in our family, Lord, in Jesus' name. Cause there to be a reconciliation in our families, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, if there are people here today, Lord, that have gone through, Lord, separation and marriage breakdown, Lord, that there would be reconciliation. We know, Lord, that that can wreak havoc in families and children. Lord, we pray, Lord, that there would be reconciliation, Lord, with sons and daughters and fathers and mothers, Lord, in Jesus' name. Maybe there are fathers and mothers here today, Lord, that just feel like they are unworthy come by your Holy Spirit, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. 
pour out your spirit upon their life. Thank you, Lord. I know there there have been many times, Lord, during my parenting, Lord, and I know through my wife, through Julie's parenting, Lord, where we have sat down and cried together and prayed together and wondered together and, Lord, what's going on? But ultimately, Lord, you are in control. And we come to that understanding, Lord, to, to let go, that there is a time for, for letting go. We continue to pray. We continue to intercede. We continue to, to lift up, Lord. But there is a time for letting go and allowing, Lord, the never-ending love of God overwhelm our families, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let it be so for every family, every child, every parent, every mother, every father, in Jesus' name, here today, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope that you've been challenged and inspired. For more information about Tarelgan City Church, check out mytcc.com.au.